the BBC, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. frequent climax to the investigations of Sherlock Holmes. My name is Watson, Dr. Watson, and it was my privilege to share the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. First, let me refresh your memory concerning the case so far, and then I will tell you what happened in the end of the sign of the four. Sherlock Holmes and I were upon the track of Jonathan Small the one-legged ex-convict responsible for the theft of the Agro treasure, which we were endeavouring to recover on behalf of our charming young client, Miss Mary Morstan. The scent had led us to the River Thames, upon which it seemed the thief and his mysterious accomplice were preparing to escape in the steam launch Aurora. After instructing his young Baker Street irregulars to find where this vessel at present lay, Holmes restlessly awaited the news that would lead to the resumption of the chase. Oh, here I am, Holmes. Anything happened? Nothing yet, Watson. You're just in time to take over watch, though. I say, what's the idea of the sailor outfit? I'm off down the river, Watson. I've been turning it over in my mind, and I can see only one way out of it. Well, surely I can come with you, then. No. You can be much more useful if you remain here as my representative. Some message may come early in the morning. I want you to open all notes and telegrams and act on your own judgment. Can I rely on you? Most certainly. Well, get some sleep while you can. If we're in luck... You may have news of some sort before I get back. Oh, very well, Holmes. I should be going with you, but best luck to you. Here's your breakfast, Dr. Watson. Ah, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, and uh, Mr. Anthony Jones is here to see you, sir. Ah, come in, Mr. Jones. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Thank you, sir. Good morning, Dr. Watson. Mr. Sherlock Holmes is out, I understand. Yes, he's been out all night, and I can't be sure when he'll be back. Take that chair and join me in a cup of coffee. I don't mind if I do. Ah, how's that? There you are. Now, may I know what brings you here so early? Well, I got a wire from Mr. Holmes this morning. There he is. What does he say? Uh, go to Baker Street at once. If I have not returned, wait for me. Uh-huh. I am close on the track of the Shelto gang. You can come with us if you want to be in at the finish. Uh-huh. Sent from Poplar. He's evidently picked up the scent again. Ah, then he's been on a false chase too, has he? Well, even the best of us are thrown off course sometimes. This may prove to be a false alarm, you understand. But it's my duty as an officer of the law to allow no chance to slip. Isn't that someone come to the door? Ah, perhaps it's Mr. Holmes. I say, who are you, my man? What do you mean, coming in like... Is Mr. Sherlock Holmes here? No, but I'm acting for him. If you have a message for him, you can tell it to me. Uh, it was to himself I was to tell it. I tell you, I am acting for him. Uh, uh, was it about Mordecai Smith's boat? Yes. I know as well where it is. 
And I knows where the menies after are. And I knows where the treasure is. Look here, my man. It I... was to Mr. Sherlock Holmes I was to tell it. Well, then you must wait for him. No, no, no. I ain't going to lose a whole day to please no one. Wait no. a bit, my huh? friend. You have important information. And you're staying here whether you like it or not. Oh, all right. I think you might offer me some coffee, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought my disguise was pretty good, but I hardly expected it would stand that test. <laughs> ah, you rogue. You would have made a rare actor. Those weak legs of yours would be worth, well, ten pounds a week on the stage. But I thought I knew the glint of your eye, though. Oh, did you, Jones? Well, it's nice to get these whiskers and things off for a while. I've been working in that get-up all day. You see, a good many of the criminal classes begin to know me, especially since our friend Watson's here took to publishing some of my cases. So I can only go on the warpath under some simple disguise like this. You got my wire, Jim? Well, uh, that was what brought me here. Uh, here's a coffee, Holmes. Ah, thank you. And how has your case prospered, Inspector? I've had to release two of my prisoners, and there's no evidence against the other two. Never mind. We shall give you two others in the place of them. But you must put yourself under my orders. Oh, now, look here. You are welcome to all the official credit, but you must act on the lines that I point out. I shall want a fast police boat to be at the Westminster stairs at 7 o'clock this evening. Well, that's easily managed. Sure. Then I shall want two good men in case of resistance. There'll be two or three in the boat. Uh, what else? When we secure the men... We shall get the pleasure. I think it'll be a pleasure to my friend here to take the box round to the young lady to whom half of it rightfully belongs. Let her be the first to open it. Eh, Watson? It would be a great pleasure to me, Holmes. Rather an irregular proceeding. However, the whole thing is irregular. I suppose we must wink at it. Exactly. Uh, the treasure must be handed over to the authorities afterwards, until after the official investigation. Certainly. Uh, is there anything else? Only that I insist upon your dining with us before we set out. Oh, well... I have oysters and a brace of grouse with something a little choice in white wines. Watson, you never yet recognized my merits as a husband. <laughs> oh, by the way, Watson... Yes, Holmes. You'd best clean that old service revolver of yours. It's well to be prepared. Is there anything to mark her as a police boat? Well, yes, uh, that green lamp on the side. Then take it off. Oh, all right. You can tell them to cast off now. Right. Cast off? Yes, sir. Uh, where to? To the tower. Tell them to stop opposite Jacobson's yard. Opposite Jacobson's yard. All right, sir. Splendid craft. We ought to be able to catch anything. If that river steamer well behind us. There aren't many launches to beat this, I can tell you. Still, she'll need to be smart to catch the Aurora. She has a name for being a clipper. Now, I'll tell you how the land lies. Yes? How would Small conceal the launch until he knew how the police inquiries were shaping? If I were in his shoes, I might hand her over to some boat preparer with directions to make a trifling change in her. She would then be removed to his shed or yard, and so be effectually concealed, while at the same time she'd be available again at a few hours' notice. Yeah, that seems logical enough. At Jacobson's yard, I learned that the Aurora had been handed over to them by a wooden-legged man with some trivial directions as to a rudder. 
at that moment, who should come down but Mordecai Smith, the missing owner? But how did you recognize him? Oh, he bellowed out his name and the name of his lodge. I wanted a knife, said he, at eight o'clock sharp, for I have two gentlemen who won't be kept waiting. I was lucky enough to pick up one of my boys on the way, so I stationed him as a sentry over the lodge. He used to stand at the water's edge and wave his handkerchief to us when they started. I should have had a body of police in Jacobson Yard and arrest them when they came down. Which would have been never. Eh? This man Small is a pretty shrewd fellow. If anything made him suspicious, he'd lie snug for another week. If you might have stuck to Mordecai Smith's homes, he would have led you to their hiding place. I think it's a hundred to one against Smith knowing where they live. Why should he ask questions? Well, there's Jacobson's Yard anyway. Where are those masks are standing up? Ah, yes, I see. Ah, yes. Yes, I can see my sentry through these night glasses. There's no sign of a handkerchief yet. Suppose we go downstream a short way and lie in wait for them. It's ten to one that they'll go downstream, but we can't be certain. It'll be a clear night and plenty of moon. Now, we must stay where we are. Will you give instructions, please? Very well, as you say. Look, Watson... See how the folks swarm over yonder in the gaslight? Yes, they're coming from work in the yard. <laughs> Just here looking rascal. But, but do I see a handkerchief? There, surely. Surely there is a white flutter over yonder. Yes, yes, I can see it plainly. Yeah, and there's the aurora, and going like the devil. Full speed ahead, engineers. Make out for that log for the yellow light. My head and I shall never forgive myself if she proves to have the heels of us.
It's uh, Jonathan Small, I think. Ah, damn this mud. Oh, it's unquietly. Give me that. Well, Jonathan Small, I'm sorry that it's come to this. And so am I, Mr. Holmes. But I don't believe I can swing to the job. I give you my word, I never raised a finger against Mr. Shoto. It was that little Alan Tonga who shot one of his darts into him. You're under the charge of Inspector Athelney Jones of Scotland Yard. He's going to bring you up to my rooms, and I shall ask you for a true account of the matter. If you make a keen breast of it, I may be of use to you. No, I shall never fear. I think I can prove that the poison acts so quickly that the man was dead before ever you reached the room. Now he was, sir. Now you seem to know as much as if he'd been there. Pity <laughs> we didn't take him alive, but uh, there was no choice. Oh, well, then, Joe. We'll be at Buxall Beach presently. Uh, Dr. Watson. Yes, Mr. Zicker? I shall land you with the treasure box. It's most irregular, but an agreement's an agreement. And you shall take it round to the young lady yourself. Thank uh -huh. uh, you. Where's the key? At the bottom of the river. Ah, we had work enough already for you. Well, Doctor, Miss Morrison might at least uh, see a box. Bring it with you to Vegas, please, as soon as you can. Greatest of pleasure. Miss you. Yes, Miss Morrison. I thought I had a cab drive up. Huh? What news have you brought me? I brought something better than news. Oh. I've brought you a fortune. Is that the Agra treasure? The great Agra treasure. Half of it is yours and half is Sadio's shoulders. You will have a couple of hundred thousand each. There will be few young ladies in England richer than you. If I have it, I owe it to you. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's my friend Mr. Sherlock Holmes whom you respect. When do you sit down? No, no, here, beside me, yeah. and tell you all about uh, it. I, no, no, I have to get down to Baker Street with it as quickly as I can. I, I, I just want you to bring it so that you should be the first to see it. Where's the key, It's, uh, it's been mislaid, and the police will soon have it open. Oh, you don't like to see into it now, Dr. Watson. Well, I don't really think that would be... Oh, but you can't face a woman's curiosity in this way. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, I insist. Uh, the police might... Oh, as part owner of the content. I, uh... Would you rather? Of course. Now, what could we use? Well, uh, I, say, uh, I think that's the problem. Well, you have my permission, Doctor. Now then, get the end of it under the heart. Good. Now, do you need a little lever? Bravo. Well done. And now, you must lift the lid. Very well. Now, I feel quite nervous. <laughs> within my reach. Because I love you, Mary, as truly as ever a man loved a woman. Because this treasure, these riches, sealed my lips. Now that they're gone, I can tell you how I love you. That's why I said, thank God. Then I say, thank God too, John. Whoever has lost a treasure this night,
did you say, Dr. Watson? Is he oddly small? <laughs> yes. The only man has any right to it, says three men who are in the Andaman convict barracks and myself. And I know they'd have me do just what I've done, rather than let it go to Kipper, Kim, or Shoto, or Morstan. Cut out that baggage. Where is it? You'll find the treasure where the key is, and where little Tonga is. In the river. Well, it's even a small. Why didn't you throw the box in as well? A man that was clever enough to hunt me down is clever enough to pick an iron box from the bottom of a river. Now, but trying to pick up what's scattered over five miles or so may be a harder job. This is a very serious matter, Small. If you'd had justice instead of hindering us like this, Justice, talk about justice. Look how I earned that treasure. Twenty long years in that fever-ridden swamp. Chained up all night. Bullied by every native guard who left to take it out of a white man. You forget that we know nothing of all this. Until we told your story, we cannot tell how far justice may originally have been on your side. Well, that's true, Miss Rose. Now, you've been very fair-spoken to me. Uh, if you want to hear my story, I'd know which hold it back, if you please. Uh, keep it short. I shall want it in full when we get to the station. Very well. Well, it begins when I was 18, and soldiering in India with the third bus. A crocodile in the Ganges nipped off my right leg. Ah, uh, with this piece of timber strapped to my stump, I was useless for anything active. Ah, uh, but lucky for me, I got a good job as overseer on an Indico plantation. And that was all right till the mutiny. I got into Agra just before the siege closed it up. Well, to cut a long story short. That's right. Get on with it. I joined up with three Indians. An angel Abdullah Khan, Muhammad Singh, and Doss Akbar in a bit of a plot to get some treasure off a refugee merchant. Mind, that wasn't none of my idea. No, of course not. They couldn't work it without me, and they put it to me at the point of a knife. Join them, or get them in. <laughs> well, I killed the merchant. I never touched him, mind. I hid the body in the fort. Well, there was no use dividing the treasure while we were under siege, so he had that too. I drew four plans of where it was, and we put the sign of the four of us at the bottom and swore that we should each always act for all. Leave out the fine sentiments. Well, the mutiny was broken and we thought we were safe. But the merchant thought he was found, and somehow we were suspected. We were brought to trial. We all got penal servitude for life. Wasn't the treasure found then? Not a word of it came out of the trial. But there we were shipped off to the Andamans to serve our time and work a fortune we couldn't touch. Hmm. Well, after a few years, I was put to dispensing for the surgeon. Uh, they gave me a little hut next to his quarters. Now, some of the officers used to come and play cards with him in the evenings. There was Major Shoto and Captain Morrison and some others. Well, I used to go there and talk him. And it pretty soon struck me that Major Shoto was falling in for some pretty big losses. Yeah, please. One evening, I heard him say... It's all up, Morstan. I'm a ruined man. So when the captain had walked off his quarters, I nipped out and asked the major if I could have his advice. What about, says he? Oh, well, sir, I said, I happen to know where half a million in hidden treasure lies. And I thought if I told the proper authorities, it might get my sentence shortened for me. Get down with it. <laughs> I could see him think it over like... Well, the upshot of it is... But he comes back next day with Captain Morstan and a little, what you might call, unofficial proposition. You don't mean to say it, mind. I didn't betray me, friends. We held a little meeting, the three Indians and the two officers and me, and it was decided Major Sholto would go to Agra and recover the treasure. Then he'd send a small yacht provisioned for a voyage. The Indians and I would get away in it, Captain Morstan would apply for leave to go to Agra, and we'd all meet there for a final share out of the treasure. Uh, I'd say it this way, you're small. If this is a yarn you're spinning, I've never heard the like of it before. What do you say, Mr. Holmes? I fancy we're hearing the truth. And you can guess what happened next. That villain showed all went off to Agra, but he never came back. 
No yacht, the fetchers, nothing. Well, what else did you expect? An officer's word, sir. Where four convicts could keep faith with each other, then you might have thought that, oh, let's hear the rest of it. Well, from that day, I lived only to escape and track down Soto. Ah, but it was weary years before my time came. One day, uh, a little Andaman Islander was picked up in the woods, sick nearly to death with fever. He was venomous as a young snake. But as I nursed him round, he took quite a fancy to me. Was this Tonga? That's right, sir. He was a fine boatman, and he owned a big roomy canoe. He didn't need much talking into getting me away from that place. Now we got to Singapore. From there, we wandered about the world until we reached England three or four years ago. I and our living showing Tonga off at fairs as a cannibal. He used to eat raw meat and do a war dance. I was staunch and true with little Tonga. Don't say nothing about him. Give back the shelter. Ah, it wasn't long before I found where he lived. But I was too late. We went to his place and looked through the window of his room. He was lying in bed with his sons at either side of him. Even as we watched him, he died. Well, I got into the room that night. I searched his papers, but there wasn't a line about where the treasure might be. And before I left, I thought of my poor Indian friends still back there in the Andamans. I wanted to leave our mark behind. So I scrolled down the sign of the four of us on a piece of paper, and I pinned it on him. Oh, that explains that then, Yes. Very continue, Small. Well, after a while, I heard that the treasure had been found at the top of Pondage Shelly Lodge. Well, I couldn't hope to get up there, not with this leg. So I brought Tonga with me, with a long rope wound round his waist. He could climb like a cat. But as ill luck would have it, Bartholomew Soto was still in the room when Tonga got in. The little devil killed him with his blowpipe. Thought he'd done something very clever until I, I gave it to him with the rope's end. Anyway, there was nothing else to do but lower the jewels down, leave the sign of the floor on the table, and get away as quick as we could. And there you are, gentlemen. I told it all. And every word the truth, I swear. A fitting wind up to an extremely interesting case. There's nothing at all new to me in the latter part, eh? except that you brought your own work. That I didn't know. By the way, I had hoped that Tonga had lost all his dark, yet he managed to shoot one at us in the boat. I have it here. I can see you find that, Holmes. You'll examine your hat when you have a moment, my dear Watson. I managed to pick it out without your notice. <laughs> well, sir, he did lose them all except the one he had in the blowpipe ready, did you see? Ah, of course. Well, Mr. Holmes, uh, you're a man to be human, but uh, duty is duty. I'll feel no reason we have our story till here safe under lock and key. All right. I shall make any trouble. Of course, you'll both be wanted at the trial. Good night, sir. Good night, gentlemen, both. Good, Good night. night. <sighs> well, Holmes. There's the end of our little drama. Thank you, Watson. Good help. And to you. I, uh, I'm afraid it may be the last chance I shall have of studying your methods, Holmes. Oh? Why, sir? Miss Morstan has done me the honor to accept me as a prospective husband. I feared it much. I really can congratulate you. <laughs> Any reason to be dissatisfied with my choice? Oh, not at all. I think she's one of the most charming young ladies I've ever met. But love is an emotional thing. And whatever is emotional is opposed to that true cold reason which I place above all things. I should never marry myself, lest I bias my judgment. <laughs> I trust my judgment may survive the audio. Uh, you're a wary, Holmes. Yes. 
The election is already upon me. I shall be as limp as a rag for a week. Strange how terms of what in another man I should call laziness alternate with your fits of splendid energy and vigor. Yes. Well, I need the makings of a very fond loafer. And also a pretty surprise, I'm stories of Sherlock Holmes, written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And now you know how it ended. My name, my, my real name, is Norman Shelley. My friend, Carlton Hobbs, played Sherlock Holmes, and I was Dr. Watson. Wedding bells are ringing for me now, it seems. Michael Hardwick wrote the script for this BBC production from London. And need I say, I look forward to the pleasure of your company again, and soon for more of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes.